Good morning. If you would, grab a Bible. Let's turn to Psalm 25. Psalm 25 is where we'll begin uh, this part of our worship. Psalm 25. It is good to see you. We have a number of people here that are visiting with us, and we are thankful that you have chosen to join us. We want you to feel welcome. We're glad that you're here. You may notice that things look a little different up here. And I want to say something about that because I know we cannot help uh, that this might be a little bit of a distraction. Uh, mainly, I'm concerned that I'm not going to be able to pace around like I normally do. I might knock the boat over or something. But um, I, uh, I want to say a little bit about this. This is our VBS week, which is uh, one week a year, a very special week here where we focus on how we teach our young people and we call attention in a special way to them. And uh, so what we've done here this, this morning or what the ladies have done throughout the week is to try to... Uh, rearrange some things to create uh, a sense of the Bible stories that we're going to be working with during the course of this week. Uh, I want to say something about this because some may not be uh, uh, familiar with what we do and how we do it, and so uh, you may have questions or it may seem odd to you. A couple of years ago, uh, when we decided to move uh, the, the things that we put together like this from the back classroom into here, uh, I know that that might make some nervous just because this is a, that's not typical, it's a little unorthodox. Uh, and uh, so I explained then, and I just want to repeat this morning, uh, this building is not some kind of a holy place. Uh, this is just a building. We built this building to have as a tool in our teaching and in our assembly. And uh, what you have and what you see here are tools that we're using to try to teach the Word of God uh, in the same way that we would use a tool like PowerPoint or something like that. The goal here is not to entertain, in other words, but it is really to teach our young people. Our goal this week, we are studying the miracles of Jesus. And the goal is to get our young people to know a little bit more and relate a little bit better to who Jesus is and what he did. The goal is to move them a little closer to faith in Jesus. And if we can do that, then we have done a tremendous thing for our young people this week. And so that's the reason we're doing what we're doing. And so I'm not going to incorporate any of this into my lesson this morning, but uh, that's the reason we're doing that. I also want to say uh, we have classes this week, uh, tonight at 5 p.m. and then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7 p.m. that will include all the ages from 18 months up, but also there is an adult class that Brent is going to be teaching here in the auditorium. Uh, and that class is going to be also about the miracles of Jesus, you might suspect, and you'll be right. It's on a little different level than some of the other classes that are going on. But we want everybody to learn and to grow in this. So we're excited about that. I hope you'll be praying about that, and I hope that you'll make plans to attend and be with us this week. Psalm 25, beginning in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So David is writing this psalm in a desperate situation. You can see he has enemies that are around him in verse 2. There are those who are wantonly treacherous in verse 3. And yet he does an odd thing. In the face of enemies and difficulty, he cries out to God a very specific and a little bit odd prayer. Verse 4, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. One of our 
Our main theme for this year is the idea of letting our soul sing. And we're working our way through the Psalms. And as I've said each month as we've done this lesson, I want you to remember that each Psalm that we have represents something powerful. A thought or a situation or an idea that is so powerful to the psalmist that he must sit down and write a song. He must sing about it. And so we are trying to say, what are those themes that are so powerful? And how do you and I feel those things today? And how can we sing the way the psalmists sang? And so what we're going to do this morning is to take this idea that the psalmist says here and talk about how we can pray to God and sing to God that we need Him to teach us. Sometimes... In desperate situations, we keenly feel the need to know more. We need knowledge. And that's what David does here. He sings to God, make me to know your ways or lead me in your truth and teach me. One of the things that has happened in the psalm is that David knows he has sinned. Look in verse 7. He says, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. So now, knowing he has sinned, he wants to be different. He wants to be better. And so he is calling to God, teach me the better way. And so he says, look in verse 6. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. So Jehovah is a God who instructs and teaches and guides and leads. And He says, I want to learn. Teach me. What we are describing here is not school. Okay, I mean no offense to the teachers in my audience. And I mean no offense if my mom is listening to this later. She's a teacher. She always listens to my lessons. Mom, no offense. But... This is not school. That we come to God because we're supposed to come. Like we go to school because we're supposed to go to school. And then school is filled with all sorts of information, much of which we never use and are not interested in, right? This is not school. Where we say, God, okay, I know I'm supposed to know this stuff. All right, tell me what I'm supposed to know. Instead, we are here because we need this and we know it. That's what David is saying. I'm in a desperate situation. I need your help. I need you to teach me. You have wisdom and knowledge that I need, and I hunger for it, and I'm begging you for it. I have tried to find my way alone, and it ended in disaster. Teach me better. I need to learn. This is a very common thought. I'm probably going to point over here because the sun's over here. Uh, But this is a very common thought in the Psalms. Uh, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Psalm 27, 11. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You can hear God is speaking here. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So the, the idea of these psalms is that we come to God because we don't know, and we know that we don't know. And we, we realize in some moment that I have information, I am lacking wisdom that I am lacking. 
Don't you know what that feels like? Don't you know what it feels like to say, I don't know how to be the parent I want to be? Don't you know what it feels like to say, I don't know as much about people as I thought I did. I don't know how to make this choice. I don't know which way is the best way. I don't know what I should be doing, who I should become. And so we come to listen and we close our mouths and we ask the Lord to teach us. So I want to look at three different topics on which God has said to teach us in the Psalms. The first is in Psalm 90. Psalm 90. This is the idea of teach me to number my days. Psalm 90 is written by Moses and it is a meditation on the nature of time. The key to this psalm is understanding that we tend to think wrongly about time. We tend to miss it. And Moses asks God to teach us how to think rightly. Psalm 90 verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So the key thought here is that God exists in a different relationship to time than you and I do. God is outside of time. Verse 2, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So God is outside of time. God creates all of this and creates it in time. We live in time. God does not. Then verse 3, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. So he is saying here, yes, he is talking about how, uh, as Peter says, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. But that's not really the point. The point is, our lives and God's vision are so small. They're like nothing. It's like yesterday when it's past. And, And really, in honesty, how much thought do we give to how we spent every minute yesterday? No, it's just sort of a blur. There are some things that are going to stick with us, but really, the full essence of that time, we've moved past. And so in that same way, Moses is saying, God, what are we to you? We are nothing to you. Our lives are as nothing. And he is also asking God for mercy in this psalm because he is asking, God, if our lives are so short, why are you going to make us see such trouble if this is all the time that we have? 
Look in verse 7. He says, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your, your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a side. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. So God, don't be angry with us. Don't keep judging us. Don't keep bringing hardship into our lives. If all we have is this short window of time, at least help us. And then at the heart of the psalm, as Moses is expressing all of this and thinking through all of this, he asks God, verse 12, to teach him. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now Moses had learned to number his days. You saw that. Maybe we'll get to 70 or by reason of strength we get to 80. But he is saying more than that. It's not just about counting the amount of time that we have. Numbering our days is about learning to process the nature of our lives and their brevity. That we can understand so that we can get a heart of wisdom. So when we say, teach me to number my days, what we are asking is for God to help us see the brevity of the time that we have. Our lives are short. And the more we know about God's time scales, the shorter our lives appear. This is James 4, where James says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. A mist, nothing, here today, gone tomorrow. And we have no control over even a minute of our lives. We do not know how long our lives will last. Yet even at their longest, it will still only be a vapor. It will still be a mist that vanishes. So he says, teach us to number our days, to understand that, so that we can live in a way that reflects the brevity of life. But we also need to number our days so that we can understand God's hand and God's plan. If a thousand years in his sight are like yesterday when it's past. Then God's operating on a different timetable than we are. And that might seem irrelevant to you, but sometimes we get frustrated with God's timetable. God does not act when we think he needs to act. Sometimes we fret over things that take too long. Sometimes we wonder if God has just forgotten about us. And we need to remember that God is perfectly comfortable in time scales that are far greater than ours. And so teach me to number my days and to see that God numbers differently. So what this means, a psalm like this teaches us urgency and patience at the same time. The truth about us is that we tend to bury our heads in the sand and let time pass, focusing on our own goals and our own pursuits. That's what we tend to do. We need to be taught urgency. We need to be taught that whatever our hand finds to do, we do it with all our might because there is no work in the grave to which we are going. The time is coming when no man can work. We need to be taught there will be an end to our time. And if we don't do the things that are the important things of life, then we will never do them. Because we only have so much time. Teach us to number our days so we see, I need to be at work. I need to take care of the things that matter. But on the other hand, we also tend to get frustrated and angry when things don't happen at a pace that pleases us. And so we need to be taught patience. That things are exactly where they are supposed to be and that God continues to be at work. And that we can just do our work with urgency and trust that God will do his work in his own time. 
It may be that we need to understand that some things just can't be rushed and that we need to wait for the Lord. Teach us to number our days so we learn brevity and we learn urgency, but also we learn patience. It's an interesting thing when you step back from all of that. He prays in verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Step back from that. He is not asking, God, teach me something I don't know. God, give me new information. That's not really the idea, is it? It is instead, help me to understand what you have already said. Help me to process. Help me to mature so that now that becomes a part of my way of thinking and living. So God can help us and show us and teach us in a lot of different ways how to number our days. But this psalm is not so much about the way God does it as it is, God, I know that however I learn this, I will learn it from you. I'm seeking for you to teach me. Let's go over to Psalm 15. The idea here is teach me who I should be. Psalm 15. This is definitely a teaching type psalm, as we'll see. And yet there is that same question of what exactly is being accomplished in the psalm. Psalm 15 and verse 1. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. So the psalm opens with this question in verse 1. Who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? What kind of person pleases God and has fellowship with God? Who gets to live with God? And it presumes a hunger for that relationship that we want to be the one who is allowed to live with God. And so we begin to pursue the character of the person who is allowed to live with God. Verse 2, he who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. I want to be a person who does the right thing. I want to be a person that no one can make an accusation against me, at least not one that has any merit. I want to be the kind of person who truth is a part of my inner and outer character. This is how you know me. This is who I am. Verse 3 then says, Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. I want to be a person who treats his fellow man kindly, especially. Did you notice in the verse? Especially in how I speak about them. We often mistakenly think that our words just kind of float into the air and that they don't really mean that much. I mean, who remembers words, right? Do we remember all the words that we've said? Of course we don't, but others might. In fact, others often do. And in fact, I would say you remember things other people have said, maybe far better than you remember things you have said. God tells us that our words matter to Him, that our words do damage to other people, and often they do damage to us. And it may be that after a particularly frustrating incident, when you have said or I have said something really dumb, really hurtful, something we really regret, something that keeps us up nights, and we say, why did I say that? What was I thinking? 
that we come to God and we say, teach me how to be a person who does not slander with his tongue. Teach me how to speak rightly about others. Verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So I want to be a person who evaluates according to God's standards, not my standards. That is, some people live in a reprehensible way, and I don't approve of that or endorse it. Other people fear Jehovah, and I will appreciate that. Even if those people are weird or different, I will appreciate that fact more than I will care about how different or odd they are. I want to be the kind of person that keeps their word even when it hurts. And so when I start thinking about, well, do I really want to keep my promises, keep my commitments, and there's some temptation to that, instead I come back to the fact that God has taught me to swear to my own hurt and not change. Verse 5, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. So here is about money, using my money in God-honoring and people-blessing ways. Teach me who I should be. What is this psalm? Is David talking to God? No, God already knows all that, doesn't he? Is David plowing new ground? All of a sudden, God has suddenly told him, oh, here is what I really want. Now, all of this is well articulated in the law of Moses. All of this. So what is happening? What is this psalm? What's the point? This psalm is an attempt at renewing and crystallizing the essence of the person God wants me to be. We are all becoming something. Every day, you and I are building a character. We are moving in a direction. Sometimes... Have you had this happen? Sometimes we wake up and we say, I don't like the person I am. I don't want to be like this. Maybe it's after we make a huge mistake. And we say, did I do this again? Or maybe it's after we see the damage we are doing to someone we care about and we we step back And just for a moment, there is that flash of guilt, but something deeper to regret and a desire to do different. We'll say things like, boy, I sure hope my kids don't become like me. Or we'll say things like, do as I say, but not as I do. How do we respond when we see that? When we say, I know the person I am and it's not the person I should be or want to be. The psalmists teach us to sing. Teach me. Teach me who I should be. And as we look through it, we remember and we refocus and we say, oh yes, that's where I'm headed. That's who I want to be. I want to be the kind of person who it would be said of them. He swears to his own hurt and refuses to change. He is going to keep his word. He will not talk about people that way. He is a blameless man. I want to be that person. And so daily, I strive toward that goal as God teaches me, this is who you should be. And so we ask God, teach me. The third thing I want us to talk about 
is the idea of teaching me what I should do. Let's go for a minute to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're just going to read all the way through this a few times. <laughs> Seeing who is awake there. Psalm 119. Many of the Psalms ask God to teach us the right way to live and act. And I want to present, pro, uh, propose to you that that is a very strange idea. Asking God to teach us how to live and act is weird. Psalm 119 and verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So time out. Teach me your statutes. Didn't God already teach us his statutes? Isn't that what the law is? What's going on? Why would he sing, teach me your statutes, if God has already done all the teaching? And he has. Read with me a few of these. Psalm 119, verse 26. Verse 26. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Verse 29. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Verse 64, Psalm 119, 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. I want to suggest to you that what is being said here is not, I don't know anything, God. Please give me some information. I don't know how to live. Instead, I believe that the plea here is to make your ways an instinctive part of my thinking. Impress it on me. Teach me how to think this way. Make me know what I know. The Bible talks about this sometimes as God's law being written on our hearts. That there is an instinctive awareness of who God is, what he has done, and then what he expects from me. It is far more than scripture memorization. You know, it's not just getting the words in us. It is instead getting the concepts, the ideas, the expectations God has into our hearts so that they are reflexes, instincts. Teach me, teach me, teach me. I want to know your way. Now, part of that certainly has to do with familiarizing ourselves with the actual words in God's word. We need to know what is said. We need to know the book. But these prayers are for more than that. These prayers are for God to help us understand what we know. Teach me what I should do. Because then there are going to be situations that arise that we don't know how to handle. And we are asking God in that situation, in this instance, teach me what I need to do. I need to know what you expect from me. In verse 66, Psalm 119, 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments. We would say good judgment, knowledge, we would call that wisdom. That is, what should I do now? Yes, I know what I should do in an abstract situation. I know what attributes you want, what the fruits of the Spirit are. I know all of that. But what do I do right now, talking to this person? What do I do right now in this financial transaction? What do I do now? Teach me good judgment and knowledge. There are some people who are Bible scholars 
And they are brilliant about the Bible. They can read the Bible in original languages. They know all the references. You talk about it with them and you, they just go way over your head. There are some people who also, despite all their Bible knowledge, have no idea the best way to live their lives. Those same people who know so much are also the people who know so little because they have no wisdom. They're not automatically wise. They have a lot to teach, but they also have a lot to learn. But you see, none of that is what David wants to know. He's not asking for some kind of brilliant insight into the way some word is used. You know what David wants to know. He is begging God to show him, what do I need to do? To do, I have a life to live. And I want to know what you think about it. And I want to know what your will is for me in this moment, in this situation. Go with me over to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Psalm 27 and verse 2. Psalm 27, 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Drop down to verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. So you can get a feel. We're not going to read the whole psalm here, but you can get a feel for the opposition David is facing, especially there in verse 11 and 12. He has adversaries and people who have risen against him that are, are breathing out violence against them. And so what he asks for, doesn't it seem odd when you're kind of near the battlefield to ask, okay, God, teach me. That's verse 11. Teach me your way. I mean, we would say, hey, put the books away. It's time to deal with a problem, right? No, he is asking, teach me how to handle this situation. What do I do about these people that are singling me out? How do I work right now? What do you want? Now, you've given me your word, but I need to know what you want me to do now. That's the question. James 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I believe these psalms are an expression of that verse. I lack wisdom. Help me. Teach me. Help me to know what I should do. Now, as I said, part of that is that I need to actually know and seek the actual word of God. And I believe sometimes we sell this part short. I think that sometimes we feel like we are more familiar with God's word than we actually are. Or it may be that we're in a situation and we think that, oh, if the Bible doesn't specifically address my situation, then there's nothing in the Bible that touches on it at all. And that is a, a foolish direction because what we end up doing is disregarding the principles that have been laid down in the Word of God. But once we have gone through that process, which I believe David has of understanding and processing God's Word and what God says... There is also this question of wisdom where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God and it will be given him. 
Wisdom comes from lots of places. Other people can share wisdom with us. So sometimes when we're in a situation and we don't know what to do, we will call on people. Say, what, what are your thoughts about this? What do you think I should do? Sometimes wisdom comes from our own mistakes. We make a huge blunder and we hopefully learn something. Sometimes we make a really big blunder and we can't help but learn Sometimes wisdom comes from our own deep thought about a situation. The more we think about it and pray about it, we begin to see things we didn't see before. I am suggesting that all of those can be this, the answer of God to our prayer for wisdom. But you see, David is less concerned with all of that, what exactly is happening. He doesn't care how this happens. He's just saying, I need help. Teach me. Show me. Guide me. So I think we need to process that there are situations in our lives that we need to be able to say, yes, I know what God's word says, but I still need God's help. I still need God's wisdom. And so I ask him again, teach me, show me, guide me. Teach me. As disciples of Jesus, this is our posture. This is who we are. We are a people who is seeking to be taught. We need a leader to learn from. We are learners who are crying out, help me, teach me. There's a certain irony about that. I know I am a teacher, but before I can teach anything, I must be a learner. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a learner. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus says, whoever has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So what I am saying this morning is that we need to take our feelings of inadequacy, our feelings of weakness, our feelings of stress, our feelings of ignorance, And we need to take those to the Lord and say, teach me, Lord. I want to learn. Would you pray with me about that? Oh, God, our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given us in your word. Father, we thank you so much for the great blessing that is your word that guides us, that helps us to see ourselves, helps us to see you and your will for us. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to be thoughtful and careful, respectful of your word. Father, as we study through these ideas, we realize the tremendous amount of things that we don't know. We see our inadequacy. We see our weakness. And Father, we ask that you will fill our hearts with the things that we need. Teach us, Father. Teach us what you want us to be. Teach us how to view you and your will and your work in the world. Teach us, Father, when we fall short, how to come back to you. Teach us, Father, how to deal with situations that are over our heads, those times when we don't have any answers, we don't know the right path. Teach us, Father. We come to you because we know that we can't trust ourselves. We come to you because we know not to trust man. Instead, Father, we seek your face, and we ask that you'll look on us in mercy
and that you'll give us what we seek, give us the knowledge that we need, the strength and power we need to accomplish your will, and forgive us, Father, where we fall short of your glory. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Might be someone here this morning who, in thinking about all of these things, you realize your life has gone in a direction it shouldn't have gone. And you know that, and you want to do better. You want to do different. You want to come to the Lord and have Jesus teach you and guide you. We'd love nothing more than to help you to start on that journey this morning. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ and have your sins washed away, or if there's any need that you have, please come to the front as we stand and sing to encourage you.